Hey, Rock and Max. Just want to say, love the podcast. I binge it at work and it really makes my day go by faster. I was excited when I heard y'all needed some personal stories. I knew I had to tell this story, which has been in my family for quite a while. First off, I'm of Mexican descent, and this took place a while back in Alice, Texas, in the late 50s or early 60s. Now, the story's kind of complicated, so I'm going to streamline it a bit for time's sake. Basically, my grandpa was kind of dating a woman whose family didn't want them seeing each other. This woman really liked my grandpa and didn't care that she was going against the wishes of her family. Well, grandpa liked her, but didn't want the trouble, as her family was kind of a well-known family in the community. So he breaks it off. So, this spurned woman is pissed. And she kind of threatens Gramps, calls him a coward and whatnot, and tells him she's going to teach him a lesson. One night, not long after the breakup, he's out having a drink with some friends at some bar. And one of his friends' uncle, an older guy, was with him. So this uncle walks out to relieve himself and immediately comes back in and heads straight for my grandpa and pulls him aside. And he gives Gramps a small leather bag and tells him to put it in his pocket. Then he tells him to turn his shirt inside out before he goes outside. Gramps is confused, but this guy, his friend's uncle, is some sort of curandero or healer. And he tells Gramps he's been cursed and to come see him the next day. He tells him that when he's walking home that night to just keep walking, to not run, no matter what he hears or sees. So, Gramps takes off from the bar, walks home alone because his friends all live in the opposite direction. Story goes that on the way home, he keeps hearing things moving in the trees all the way home. He hears his name being called, and some of the sounds coming out of the trees sounded like turkeys, of all things. He's scared, but he's not running and he's almost home. And then he sees what looks like three large turkeys in the tree near his house, just watching him with red glowing eyes. He gets home safely, and the next day goes and sees his friend's uncle, who tells him that someone hired some Nahuales, or sorcerers, to get him. And that turkeys are one of the shapes that they can take. The leather bag was some sort of protective charm or talisman. The curandero prays over him, performs some limpias, and gives him some candles to burn. Grab said he was never troubled again after that, and he was pretty sure it was the woman he was dating that started all the trouble in the first place. I hope you guys can use the story and keep up the great work. Submitted by Luis, Dallas, Texas. Salutations to all you fine folks out there in the hinterlands. It's Rockin' Max, and we're going to be your guides as we share some tales of terror that you, our amazing listeners, have sent in. Hope y'all are ready. And of course, welcome to Season 6. Historic Season 6. Rock, come on, get it right, man. My bad, my bad. But really, every season is historic for us, Max. Am I right? I mean, 
I know, I'm definitely surprised. Same here, man. But it's fun, and we love our listeners, subscribers, and especially our amazing patrons. Thanks for hanging with us, y'all. All right, Max, so where were we, my man? Just getting ready to tell some stories. Get on it, then. <laughs> All right, what's up, gang? Like Rock said, we're going to tell some stories today. Mm -hmm. Time to settle in by the fire, grab a beverage of choice, <sighs> kick back. I'm having one now. Here's some stories your fellow listeners were kind enough to submit. Maybe it'll be you next time. All right, you ready, Rock? I was born ready, my man. But before we dive in, please, please, gang, continue to like, subscribe, review, and please continue to take that time out to grant us the boon of the sacred five-star review. All that stuff. Rock's right, y'all. We might sound like a broken record. Maxie, the kids don't know what a broken record is, methinks. <laughs> well, they do if they hear us, but <laughs> you might be right. Anyway... We wouldn't ask every week if it weren't so important. So thanks in advance, and let's just get into the stories, shall we? Let's do it. But before we do, a quick thanks to Luis. What a great yeah, story, man. It was amazing, yeah. Thanks for listening, and thanks for the submission. Man, Max, I know about you, dude, but I love those kind of stories. Giant red-eyed turkeys and trees calling your names in the dead of night, anybody? Mm -hmm. Oh, hell no. Agreed. Thanks, Luis. Keep them coming. Mm -hmm. We definitely need to do a Nawalis episode. Yeah, we do. But for now, we're off. Hi, I have a confession to make. I've become addicted to Nightmares and Daydreams podcast. I work at home, and while sitting at my sewing machine and working on various projects, I listen to your stories. I also have to confess to being lured into watching Roan Inish, which is probably more interesting because of my prior knowledge of Selkies. Thanks, Max. But back to spooky stories. I really enjoyed your listeners' stories and have one of my own about a school. Years ago, when I was teaching fifth grade, I was alone after school getting the last of my grading done. The school where I work is a pretty old one, and there were stories of an even older school that once stood on the same spot. This particular afternoon, almost evening actually, I had to take my student Scantrons to the one scanner in the building that could upload the results. This scanner was in a small teacher library, which was actually just a classroom that was being repurposed. The hallways were all darkened at the time because the motion detectors had not sensed any motion for so long, and it triggered the hallway lights to turn off to save energy. As I entered the hallway, I saw what seemed to be a little girl, about nine years old or so, judging by her height, standing next to the bathroom door. She was wearing a long sleeve dress that came down mid-calf, but I couldn't see her features because of the lighting. The lights don't come on unless you really move around. I said hi to her thinking she was just a teacher's kid and unlocked the door to the teacher's library to scan my scantrons, not really thinking much about it. While in the room trying to get the machine to work, the door swung closed. Not slamming, but not slowly swinging like a door does when it's uneven. More like it was closed. I couldn't see the door because of all the shelves of books, so I called a greeting. Hello? Hello? No answer was given, 
so I went quickly about my business, wanting to get out of there ASAP. I finally got the machine going and was sitting in the desk chair, watching to make sure they scanned correctly, when I felt a small push at the back of my chair. Needless to say, the Scantrons didn't get scanned completely because I booked it out of there. Talking to some of the other teachers who had worked there longer, they had each had similar experiences over the years, all in that exact hallway. I never stayed again late by myself. Obviously, whoever is hanging out there wants her me time undisturbed. I'd love to hear more school tales. See ya. Submitted by Becca Joy in Kyle, Texas. Yikes. But thanks, Becca. And I'd like to congratulate you on becoming a Roan Inish fan. Is a treasure of a movie better even than Darby O'Gill, if I do say so myself. <laughs> yeah. Methinks you doth congratulate yourself too quickly, Maxie. Hey, it's the way of the fae. In Becca's submission, she said she was, quote, lured into watching Roan Inish and that she quote, probably enjoyed it more because she knew about the Selkies, which is code for her saying she hated it. And she finished with the very sarcastic, thanks, Max. <laughs> I apologize, Becca. I've said thanks, Max, many times during our decades of friendship. <laughs> like, she couldn't even bring herself to speak about Darby O'Gale. She's just like, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. kind of gagging on it. But she said nothing about it. I mean... Anyway, I'm sure you're taking your comments out of context, Rock. I know she had to love it. Dear Becca, go home and watch yourself some Darby O'Gill and the little people and rejoice. <laughs> you need not be lured in. It's amazing and available on Disney+. Plus. Go check it out, party people. All right, are we ready for the next story? Let's do this. So this happened right around the year 2000. I drove from Long Island to Providence, Rhode Island to visit my fairly new boyfriend's family. We were to meet some friends of his for a wedding. And though I had met his family before, this was my first time visiting their home. It was a beautiful old Victorian house, very large, very pretty, and well-kept on the water in East Providence. I pulled up in the driveway of this beautiful home and I'm excited to see him and see his family again. My car was a manual transmission, so as I pulled the emergency brake and prepared to open the door and step out onto the driveway, I look up and see what I assume is his grandmother looking at me from a large second-story window. So I wave at her and she disappears behind some curtains. So I enter the house and it's a party. People are having drinks and a good time. His mother and father are there, as well as his sister, and everything is going well, and eventually I ask where his grandmother is. Well, they're all very perplexed. They proceed to tell me that, no, grandma is not on the premises. So now I'm confused. And there's this pause, and I ask again if there was anyone upstairs, and they tell me that, no, there's absolutely no one upstairs. Well, later I get the full story. It seems that two sisters used to own the house. And in fact, they owned many of the houses on that street. Apparently, it used to be some sort of plantation. And the house that his family lived in, my boyfriend, 
was the old boarding house and that the two sisters owned a 10-mile stretch of land all along the water. He also later told me that even though no one considered it particularly frightening, that he and his cousins and friends, when walking through the halls of that house, would feel as though long skirts were brushing against their legs as they walked, as if some phantom was passing them in the hallway. His parents later said that, yeah, they experienced it too, and at first attributed it to an old house being very drafty. But I think they all knew that it was something more than that. Submitted by Steph, Austin, Texas. Phantom Sisters watching over their old homestead in Providence. Great story. Thanks, Steph. Damn. Way to rep the ATX, Steph. Thanks for the submission. Dude, how freaky is that, though? So she rolls up to her new boyfriend's folks' place, (laughs) sees an old woman, and (laughs) thinks, reasonably, I think, hey, it's Grandma. For sure, man. You know, that's what I would have thought. And you know, Max, there's a lot of history in that part of the country, man. I mean, you got to assume every house is haunted. You see old folks being sketchy behind curtains. That's a ghost right there, y'all. There's like a (laughs) 77% chance of that. Hashtag truth. Be careful. 77% 77 of the people you see in Providence are ghosts. (laughs) Could be phantoms. Yeah. That's ridiculous, right? But seriously, (laughs) would you have stayed in the house? Which I'm assuming she did. Dude... Okay, so if the family wasn't tripping about it, then I'm probably not going to worry about it too much. Yeah, but theoretically, the family never saw an actual apparition of the previous owner. She did, though. Hmm, I see where you're coming from. And you know, Steph just might have been a sensitive or something. Just, you know, very aware of the other side. Who's to say? All right, y'all. On to the next. Let's do it. This happened at my grandma's house in Las Vegas back in the 90s. I was 13 and my brother was 15. Grandma had just moved into a new built house, two-story, nice tile roof. A lot of the roofs in Vegas are tile because of the desert climate and the sun kind of destroys regular shingled roofs. The importance of the tiled roof will come later in the story. My brother and I were up late one night playing video games and just goofing off in general. It's around 2 a.m. and it's summer, so grandma doesn't care if we're up as long as we don't wake her up. So I head downstairs to make some pizza rolls, grab some sodas while my brother is still on the PlayStation. I head upstairs carrying our drinks and snacks and I hear what sounds like something on our roof. My brother immediately meets me in the hallway and he asked me in a low voice if I felt that. I told him, well, I heard something. Now, Grandma's master bedroom was downstairs and our room was upstairs. I guess that's why she didn't hear it. We run up into our room and turn off the lights, the TV, and just listen. My brother said it felt and sounded like something big landed on the roof. Now the subdivision is pretty new, so there's not a lot of homes built and not that many people living there. So we're sitting in the dark, looking out of our window, eating pizza rolls. Looking back, it was pretty funny, but at the moment, we were definitely weirded out. Then we hear it. It wasn't exactly footsteps. I guess more like something hopping across the roof, but there was for sure something moving above us. 
We heard the roof like literally groan. And then we heard what sounded like tiles cracking. And we saw several tiles falling from the roof in front of our window. They smashed loudly in the driveway below and we both screamed. Then we saw the shadow kind of float across the driveway. It was the shadow of the biggest bird we could imagine. We didn't see it, only its shadow and this loud single flap of wings. And then it was gone. Grandma yelled at us and told us to cut the crap. We figured she wouldn't believe us. She was a tough old lady, so we just went to bed. But when we saw the tiles the next morning, she believed us. The roof guy came over the following day and was perplexed. He said whole tiles were gone and that a lot of them were cracked like something large had been on the roof. My brother thinks it was a thunderbird. Who knows? I'm not sure what it was. I'm just glad we were inside at the time. Great work. Love the podcast. Also, the Lottery Labrador rules. Just waiting for him to show up at my door. Gary, Seattle. Man, y'all, Gary and his brother done saw themselves a thunderbird. <laughs> what, Max? What else could it have been? Well, what logical explanation have you got for our listeners out in the hinterlands? Vandals, pranksters. Exactly right. Faulty construction. <laughs> <laughs> Max, I don't like that you're calling Gary a liar, first of all. No, I'm definitely not. Plus, he's telling the truth. I'm just contradicting you. I, yeah, really, right? <laughs> you, but I lived in Vegas for a while, and yeah, he's right about the tile ruse, man. So, in all seriousness, though, that is a great story. You know me and cryptids. Yeah. I always like to search for an alternate theory before I buy in. Not always, man. But mostly I just like to be contradictory. It just kind of depends on your mood, for sure. Yeah. And yet you seem to believe in ghost stories just fine. You swallow them hook, line, and sinker. Hey, man, you know, those are spirits, though. I'm spiritual. Yeah, you're something. Gary, my man, you rock. Thank you for the submission. Thanks again. And it was a Thunderbird. And Gary, we agree the Lottery Labrador does indeed rule and yep. will reward all who wait for him to arrive with his big bag of golden treaties. Have faith, good people. He's like our great pumpkin. Except he's real. <laughs> for sure. I believe he will come to visit. I believe he will come to visit. <laughs> Just believe, Max. Hopefully when the Powerball gets back up to half a billion. All right, on to the next. Hey guys, my story is short, but freaky. Hoping you can use it. This happened in West Texas. My boyfriend at the time worked in the oil business and I had gone to visit him for several days. You know, just hanging out, having food, drinks. While his company was putting a him and his crew up at some hotel until they finished housing. So one night, I can't sleep, so I head outside to have a smoke. It's around 3 a.m and I'm sitting on the tailgate of my truck, just looking at the moon, when I hear something across the parking lot. I turn to look and I catch this little creature in the lights of the parking lot. It's not looking at me, just looking at the ground like it's following a trail. It honestly looked 
like a little hunched over man with grayish skin, maybe three feet tall. It was making weird, high-pitched mumbling noises before it sniffed the air and suddenly looked right at me. We stayed looking at each other for what seemed like forever before it casually turned away and went back the way it came. It didn't walk, it almost hopped. It was weird. Needless to say, I ran back to the hotel and didn't sleep a wink that night. I never told my boyfriend, but I told my mom, who thinks it was some sort of fey creature. Who knows? Thanks for all the work you guys do. I really love the show. Please keep it up. Deb, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Thanks for the submission, Deb. So, what you think, Rock? Dude, honestly, no clue, man. That's a good one. None? Maybe like a gnome or something. Well, okay. Duende. I mean, I, I think her mom's guess was as good as any, right, man? I mean, but... Uh, absolutely. I mean, I that would be my assumption that it's some sort of fey creature. True, but the one thing that kind of sticks out for me is this. What's that? Is that she didn't feel this, you know, like surge of fear when she and the creature locked eyes because a lot of the times in dealing with the fey, that happens. Hell, you know, honestly, dealing with any sort of otherworldly creature, a lot of times that happens just when we lock eyes, that jolt of adrenaline, that fight or flight thing kicks in. Right. I mean, it's almost like being stared down by a predator sometimes. Yep. It's like I said, that fight or flight response. And you know, man, who's to say this could be an ability that these otherworldly type creatures can turn off and on. And maybe he didn't perceive Deb as a threat. I mean, it's as solid a theory as any, I guess. Mm. Ready for another story? Vamos. Hello, Rockin' Max. You guys asked for stories, and I'm going to deliver, as you guys like to say. This took place in the early 80s. Me and my buddy, we were like 10 or 11 then. We were out shooting baskets in his front yard on a Friday night. We had just ordered pizza, and his dad told us that we could play until the pizza guy came. And then we had to come in, as it was already dark. So across the street from his house was an open grassy lot, and that lot backed up to a cemetery. Well, we're playing, and we knock the ball across the street into that lot. So again, it's dark, and we walk over to get the ball, and we're moving cautiously, as there are no street lights, only the light from a couple houses on the block. So we get the ball, which rolled all the way to the fence. And then my friend grabs my arm, and he whispers, Look. On the other side of the fence were like three or four people dressed in dark robes with hoods. Think monks. So they're facing each other, and they're chanting. It was low, and we couldn't make out the words, but we definitely heard them. What was really scary was the fact that there seemed to be multiple red lights floating around their feet. Think Christmas lights, but just swirling. So these people get in a line and slowly start walking up the main road of the cemetery, still chanting, with those weird red lights floating all around their feet. We take off and get my friend's dad. We tell him what we saw, and he comes over to the cemetery fence with us, and he sees them walking away. He just kind of looks, and then he gathers us up and whispers, let's get back into the yard and you guys wait for the pizza guy. 
He had no clue what it was, and neither did we. To this day, it still gives me the creeps, and I still have no clue what it was. Submitted by JD, Victoria, Texas. Victoria, <laughs> that's your old stomping grounds. Yup, yup. And I recall back in the 80s, there's supposedly a ton of that going on, man. Like during the satanic panic, as they called it. Lot of you hear rumors of people seeing stuff like that going on in graveyards, man. Like people in robes, fires. It was all pretty weird. <laughs> Tons of monks uh, down in Victoria. Oh, yeah. I blame Dungeons and Dragons, of course. <laughs> so did, hey, right? In the 80s, so did all the parents back then. Damn kids getting together, eating pizza, and drinking Mountain Dew. <laughs> it's outrageous. Imagining they, were, they can you know, definitely not be up to any good. Exactly. Damn kids getting together, eating pizza, and drinking Mountain Dew whilst imagining that they're in a dream world of magic? Dude, that's pretty bad. <laughs> Truly horrifying. The 80s ruled. <laughs> Damn right they did, man. Old school D&D ruled, too. Well, like you like to say, it was the best, but regular D&D is just as good. <laughs> I mean, 5e is is pretty good. I like it. So you say. Hey, everyone. Rock bought himself a 5e player's handbook. <laughs> Future is now. <laughs> wraps it up for tonight gang thanks for telling everybody max i was just stuck in 3.5 finder, <laughs> but i'm gonna have to Uh-oh. join the new generation <laughs> i think i embarrassed him y'all but i believe he's right i'm just embarrassed <laughs> that i haven't done it sooner man <laughs> we love and appreciate you people we and do. we are so thankful to be able to start this historic sixth season with the gift of your wonderful tales for sure now if you appreciated us too why not head on over to buymeacoffee.com mm-hmm. and search for Nightmares Podcast for an invigorating one-time donation. It helps us keep the lights on here at Nightmares and Daydreams. And more importantly, it keeps us ever so happy. And caffeinated. Speaking of supporting <laughs> the podcast, y'all, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Nightmares Podcast for some extra content. Tears start at a buck a month and y'all can cancel any time. We continually add new content, including Max's Myth bonus episodes and new music by Teresa Joy. Speaking of the best bard in the business, Teresa Joy is a rare bard of the College of Podcasting. (laughs) She gives us that amazing sound that so many of you have commented on. Find and follow her at Vibrite on Facebook and Instagram. And check out her own website, TeresaJoyMusic.com. And we asked earlier, but we're going to ask again. Always. Again and again and again. One more time. Please, y'all, head on to whatever podcatcher you listen to us on to grant us the boon of the five-star review. And, of course, sharing our podcast, gang, that helps us the most. Help you boys get out there. Also, don't forget to join us on all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We love hearing from you. And don't forget to head on over to our own damn website at nightmarespodcast.net to holler at you boys. As Max just said, we'd love to hear from you. So... Ladies and gentlemen, as always, be good to each other and sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams.